Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online. I hope hope you guys are having a, a good day so far, enjoying a little bit cooler weather than we had last week. Yeah, you got extra credit last week if you came to church. Well, you probably came, you're like, I'm going to at least let the church pay for the uh, electric bill instead of me, you know, doing it at home. But it is nice. It seems like today and the la- yesterday, it's like, okay, it's maybe, maybe fall's around the corner. Uh, I know, I don't know about you, but fall's one of my uh, favorite, maybe my favorite time of year. And at church, fall is usually a time, and, and I wanted to, before we dive into our series, tell you about a couple things. It's usually a time, usually first of the year and then like first of the school year where, man, if people are looking to maybe take a next step or get connected, uh, that's usually the time they're like, okay, I want to kind of take a step. And so if that's you and if maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, okay, I think we're ready to take a next step at church or we want to get connected a little bit better. There's a couple things uh, this week actually that you can be a part of. One is today we have what we call Intro to City Walk. Uh, it's about a 45-minute lunch. We provide lunch. We provide child care. It's over in the fellowship hall. And it's just an opportunity for you to hear a little bit more about the church, a little bit more of why we do what we do, a little bit more. It gives you a chance to maybe ask some questions and kind of find out information that you would want to find out. And so that's right after church. We usually start about 10, 12 minutes after the service. And so if you haven't been to Intro to City Walk, man, I want to invite you to do that. And then the second thing is this week we're starting our fall term of city groups. And if you haven't taken a step to get connected in a group, I'd encourage you to do that. I encourage you to take that step. You can go to our website and just look under next steps, or you can actually look in the the app and you can sign up. Uh, We have them on several different nights of the week. We actually have a a young adult one that meets right after the service on Sunday uh, at a restaurant. And so, and Luke buys your, not really, he doesn't really, but uh, he'll buy yours today if if, if you come and you're new. Uh, But but yeah, so get connected, take a step, get into a group. Uh, You won't regret it. Uh, And it's something that in the fall is just, that's a great time to do that. Uh, Another few things that maybe you feel this way about as you think about the fall, if you're a sports fan, you love this time of year. You, you love this time of year because, man, baseball is, is heating up. It's in the last month, and, man, people are trying to make the playoffs. There's some people that are going for different records. Uh, college football, I know out on the West Coast, you guys don't know what that is, but we actually have, there's a thing called college football growing up in the South. That is huge. Uh, the Gators lost yesterday, so... Uh, not as excited today, but but college football, high school football. If I if I am remembering right, it seems I think every team. I don't know what RV did, but I know Yuba City. They won on Friday. I know Sutter won on Friday. I know Marysville. I, I believe they won on Friday. So man, high school football is is kicking up. And then today, 
And really, that's just started Thursday. Man, the NFL is, is getting started. So the Bucks are beginning their Super Bowl run today, actually tonight. So if you call me at 5 o'clock and want to be led to the Lord, I'll say, hey, could we wait a couple hours? Till... No, not really. Not really. Uh, but the Bucks tonight, they need to, they got to beat up on Dallas a little bit. But bottom line, this is a good time of year. And if you're a sports fan, it is. If you're like my beautiful wife, you could care less about sports. You like the fall weather, but as far as the sports is involved, my wife's like, oh, you know, it's, it's, okay, is there sports going on? And why is there sports going on? She's, she's not kind of, she's not a big fan of that. Uh, but, but whether you like it or whether you're like my wife, there's no getting around that sports is a big part of our society. It's no, even if you hate sports and if you're like, there was never, ever another game, I would be happy. Sports plays a big role. I mean, this weekend alone, there will be millions and millions of people that will sit in stadiums, that will sit in front of as big a TV as they can get in front of and scream passionately for their favorite team to win. And there's one thing, whether it's a high school football game, whether it's a professional soccer game, whether it's a major league baseball game, there's one thing that makes the game exciting. And really, there's one thing that, that really helps the game be very exciting, that if you didn't have it, 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 it would take away a lot of the game. And it's not necessarily the athletes. Obviously, you got to have great athletes. It's not necessarily the, in some cases, billion-dollar stadiums that these games are played in, even though they're amazing. But what makes these games exciting and what makes you and I lean into them if you're a sports fan is something called a scoreboard. That if you didn't have a scoreboard, it, it, would, it would be, you know, eh, good to watch some people run around a field or hit something or throw something. But if you don't have a scoreboard, a couple years ago, one of the greatest nights of my life was when the Bucks beat the Chiefs. And that was an awesome, awesome night for me. But if they didn't have a scoreboard, and if no one kept score, it, it would have been okay. I mean, I would, that's great to watch Tom Brady do a few things, and, and it would have been fun to watch for a few quarters. But if no one kept score, it just would take a lot of the excitement away. I mean, if you don't believe me, go to, a, go to a, like a preschool t-ball game where they don't keep score where the, the little kids are, are more focused on what kind of like snack they're going to have afterwards, where the little kids are in the outfield and they're playing, they're literally sitting down playing in the dirt while the game's going on. And, and we do that because, you know, those are our kids and we're excited about it. But, but at the end of the day, those are not fun games to watch because the scoreboard is what makes games important. It gives people a goal. It helps people measure how they're doing compared to the other team. If you didn't keep score and there was no scoreboard, the excitement would be gone because again, what are we trying to accomplish? And how do we measure if we're even accomplishing it and how we're doing? And obviously, if, if that were to happen in sports, that would be pretty frustrating. But it's devastating in other areas of our life where we are unclear on what winning looks like. 
And one of the areas that it doesn't matter where you are as it relates to faith, one of the areas that is most important to all of us is our homes. It is, is knowing what it looks like to really win at home. I mean, whether you're a person of faith or not, you don't want to lose at home. We would all say that whether you love Jesus, whether you're skeptical of Jesus, whether you're not sure what you believe, we can all agree that we don't want to lose at home. You might be single, you might be dating somebody, you might be married, divorced, widowed, doesn't matter where you are, what stage of life you're in, none of us wants to be the reason our family and our home is a train wreck. Like, that's not one of our, you know, 2022, I hope to make my family more of a train wreck than it is. That's not what our goals are. We don't want to be that person. So, so which leads us to, you know, some, some questions. Because at the end of the day, doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, you want the people you love the most to thrive. You want them to flourish. You want your parents to flourish. You want your kids to flourish. You want your girlfriend or boyfriend to flourish, to thrive. You, you don't want their life to be a mess. You want them to have God's favor on their life. Which leads to a couple obvious questions. The first one is this. Are you winning at home? Think about it. Maybe you're single and you, you live at home. Maybe you're married, maybe you're dating somebody, maybe you're divorced. All of us, whether you live with the people or not, we all have a family that we want to see do well. And so the question is, are you helping those people win? Here's a second question that is, is really a good follow-up question, and it's this. How do you know? So you say, yeah, yeah, we're winning. We're winning at our house. Yes, yes, we're doing well. Okay, how do you know? Like, like, what are you measuring that says, yes, we're doing well? What are you measuring? How do you know? What's the scoreboard at your home? It's some good questions to think about because what, what a tragedy to get to the end of your life. And a lot of people do. And they get to the end of their life and, and they think they won at home. And they, they go out into eternity only to... If you follow the trail of their family after they're gone, it's obvious they thought they were winning, but they weren't winning like they thought they were. And none of us wants that to happen. None of us wants to be the reason that the people we love the most don't thrive, don't have God's best. And so that's why over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about how to win at home, how to position our family and the people we love the most for God's best. And so this morning, we're going to, we're going to start by asking two questions. And it's very, very similar to the two questions that I asked and already asked. And, and they're questions that if we don't know the answers to these, whether we like the answers or not, you may hate the answers. You may not agree with the answers, but there are two questions that if we're going to even make an attempt at positioning our family for God's best, these are two things we can't get wrong. We have to be clear on. And so here's the first question. What does God say a win is? You know, again, you, you might hate, hate the answer. You may not even totally believe in God, but I, I think that 
if you are a Jesus follower, or even if you're not, you would probably be interested in, hey, what does God say a win is? I might not agree with God. I might not think the same thing, but I'd like to at least know. Like, what does God say a win is for the people that I love the most? For my family, for my uncle, for my girlfriend, for my parents. What does God say a win is in their life? Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about this. And he says this really clearly. And for most of us, we, you know Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You, you probably, even if you aren't a follower of Jesus, you might have a coffee cup with Romans 8, 28 on it. You've seen a pillow with Romans 8, 28 knitted on it. It's that verse that says, all things work together for good to them that love God. It's like, yes, that's a good verse. But Romans 8, 29 actually says some great stuff too. And we may not know what it says, but here's what Romans 8, 29 says. It gives us some great insight into what God says a win is. It says this in Romans 8, 29. It says, for those he, being God, foreknew he also predestined. And so basically what he's saying this is, hey, for those he foreknew, those that would have a relationship, those God knew would have a relationship with him. When, when, when they had a relationship, when they have a relationship with God, God in eternity past had a plan for them. So those that would start a relationship with God, God had a very clear plan or a very clear win that he wanted for them. And he goes on and he says this, for those God he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those he, God, knew, foreknew, knew they, knew they were going to have a relationship with him. He, before eternity passed, he had a plan for those people. And his plan, his goal, what a win is for God, is that they would be conformed. What does that word conformed mean? It means fashioned like, made like the image of his son. See, God's goal for you God's goal for me is that we become more like Jesus. It's the win. It's what is celebrated. That's what God wants. He wants us to become more like Jesus. He wants us to look like his son. And so you could say it this way. You could put anybody's name in this blank. God's desire for your, and you could put children your girlfriend, your parents. You, you can fill in the blank with whoever you want to fill the blank in, but at the end of the day, God's desire for them is that they become more like Jesus. God's going, let, let, let's think of it from a parent's perspective. Because as a parent, and I know not all of you are parents, some of you will be parents in the future, but, but as a parent, parents have a lot of goals or things they'd like to see for their kids. And, and most of them, they're out of great motives. They want to see their kids do well. But in our society, there's, there's some, some people and, and there's some pressure to make the goal we have for our kids not what God's goal is. See, 
it's very easy to make God's our, our goal for our kids that they get into a good college, that they make the all-star team, that they get a high-paying job, that they get straight A's, and you can fill in the blank. And none of those things are bad. And in fact, God might use those things to help make our kids like Jesus. But the goal God has for them is not those things. It is that they become more like Jesus. That's what God's goal is. That's what God's goal is for your parents, your children, your grandchildren. I mean, you fill in the blank. That's what God's goal is. And what a tragedy. What a tragedy it is to live our life aiming at the wrong goal. And even more tragic than that is leading the people we love the most to do the same thing. What, what a tragedy. If I end my life, one, if at the end of my life one day, I, I realize and my kids realize and my wife realizes that my dad, my husband was aiming at the wrong goal and he led us to do the same thing. Man, that's a tragedy. God's goal is that you and I look like Jesus. That's what his goal is. That's, what he, that's, that's the most important thing to him. He, I, I didn't say that. He did. It, which leads us to that a second question. The, the first question, hey, what, what does God say a win is? And again, you might not like that answer. You might not agree with that answer. But I think it's important that we at least know what the scriptures say. What God's goal is for us. What God considers a win is that we look more like Jesus. Which leads to the second question. And it's like, yeah, this was the natural second question. So how does God measure my progress? I mean, that seems like a lot of pressure to, to okay, I got to look like, more like Jesus, and I'm supposed to play some part in helping my kids, my wife, my parents, you know, it, the different people, different relationships you have in your life, whether you're dating, married, whatever. That, that seems like a lot of pressure that I'm supposed to help those people look more like Jesus. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a pretty big thing. And so to answer that question, what we're going to do is we're going to, to go back a few thousand years to the beginning of the Jewish nation. And the nation of Israel, and if whether you grew up in church or not, you probably heard a little bit about them. The nation of Israel, they, they had been in slavery for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then this guy Moses comes along and God sends Moses and, and Moses is the person that helps this nation of Israel get out of slavery after hundreds of years of being enslaved. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, what Moses does is as, as he is preparing this nation of Israel that he has led out of slavery, he's led them to a land that God's going to give them. And Moses knows, hey, I'm not going to be able to go to the land with them. I'm going to pass away before they get there. But I want to prepare them, and I want to prepare their families to thrive, to do well, to have God's best. And so Moses, he takes this very seriously. And he talks to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He gives them some instruction that God has given him to give them. 
It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is Moses talking to the people as they're ready to enter the new land that Moses isn't going to go with. He's not going to go with them. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, this is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. So, hey, I'm God's mouthpiece. Just telling you what God's saying. He wants me to pass this information along. You're about to go into this new land. He wants to help you flourish. I'm just passing this on. This is from God. He says this in verse 2. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God or, or have reverence for him all the days of your life. By keeping all his statutes and commands I am giving you, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. He's saying, all right, I'm giving you some instructions that are going to affect your whole family. So, so listen up to what I'm about to say to you. He says, listen, Israel, and be careful to follow what them, what I'm about to say to you. Why? So that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your ancestors has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses, he's basically saying, he's saying, Israel, hey, nation of Israel, listen up. God has good for you. There is a path that positions you for that good. And I, I want to tell you about that path because God made some great promises that he wants to fulfill for you but there's a path that leads to that good. There's a path that leads to that favor for your family. And I'm going to explain that to you. We're, we're now a few thousand years later. And the same could be said to us. God has good for you. You may not believe that. You may not believe in God. You may be watching online. You're like, I'm not even sure what I believe about God. Well, God has good for you. Not only does God have good for you, but God has a good plan for your family. He has a good plan for your family. It doesn't mean there won't be challenges and tough times. I mean, the people that Moses was talking to, they had been in slavery for hundreds of years and were currently wandering in the wilderness. So it doesn't mean that there's not challenges, there's not tough times, but, but God has, in the midst of those tough times, God has good for you and he has a good plan for your family. And Moses, what he does is he gives the Jewish nation some insights into how to position their family and themselves for that good. He says this in verse 4. He says, listen, or hear, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you read that, and I read that, and you're like, okay, that's good. But to these people, that statement right there was huge. Because the gods of this day, the other countries and the other nations had multiple gods. And, and they, they had this, this problem where they were trying to always keep all these gods happy. And so, man, if I do this, this God's a little happy, but then this God gets a little, he gets a little upset. And so, man, there wasn't a lot of security when they thought of gods. And it was like, man, trying to keep all these gods happy. But for Israel... Moses says, hey, there's one God, the, the Lord. He is one God. 
And, and you, don't, you don't have to live your life trying to see that this God's happy and this God's happy. There's one God. It brings security to you. He's the almighty God. And then he goes on and he says this. Verse 5, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This, this one God, not, not 50, not hundreds, not thousands. This one God, this God that led you out of slavery. Love him with your heart. Love him with your soul with your strength like love him fully and then he says this in verse six these words that i'm giving you today are to be on your heart you're to repeat them to your children you're to talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. These, these words that I'm saying to you, these shouldn't be words that just go in one ear and out the other. These words should be words that are on your heart. And because they're on your heart, you're naturally going to talk about them with your children, with your family, with the people you love the most. You're, you're not, and, and the way he explains it, it's like, it, I, he's not telling you know dads, and I'm not against this, I've done this before with my kids. Hey, sit down. We're going to read the Bible together. Yeah, there's times like that where it's, all right, sit down. We're actually going to formally open the Bible, and we're going to talk about the Bible. Those are, th- But this isn't what he's saying. He's saying because loving God is on your heart in the car line, you're just going to talk about God with your kids. At the sports field, God's going to come up because God's on your heart. He's inside you. He's a big part of your life. You love him with everything you have. There's going to be natural conversations that you have with the people you love the most that are going to be really important to you and your family flourishing. And these aren't always going to be formal. It's going to be because you deeply love God. When you love something deeply, you naturally talk about them. You bring them up. You want to tell other people about them. You finagle conversations to get that in the conversation because you're just excited about it. He says, that's, the, that's what you need to do with your family. And then he goes on and in verse 8, he says this. And some of these people, man, they took this stuff literally. He says, I want you to bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. He's saying, keep God's word, God's truth, keep it in front of you. Some of the Jewish people took this seriously, and they literally like connected things to their wrist with Scripture in them, connected things to their forehead with Scripture in them, because they literally thought, like, okay, we're going to keep it on us, in front of us. He's saying, hey, God's word and this truth that I'm giving you, this life-giving truth, you need to love God. You need to embrace it personally. But then, man, it just needs to be part of your program, your life, natural. It's just something that you should bring up as things go on in your life. It should be part of your life because it's part of your heart. And that's what he's saying to them. And what he does over the next few verses is Moses, he rehearses some of God's plan. He's just told them, hey, love God with all your heart and and talk about these things with the people you love the most. And then what he does at the end of this section 
is he closes this section by continuing to give them some some more practical insights on, on how to position themselves and their families for God's best. He says this in verse 20. He says, when, not if, but when, this is going to happen. When your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees, the statutes, and ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Hey, Moses, he's saying, you know what? 10 years from now, 20 years from now, five years from now, next month, somebody you love, somebody in your family, your kid is going to come and say, hey, dad, why do we do this? Why do we believe this? And, and Moses is saying, you know what? Don't, don't give them the, eh, it's because the Bible says. Just believe it, buddy. Don't, don't give them that answer. Don't, don't, don't push them away. Don't, don't, no, take advantage of this moment. Take advantage. When, when your son, when your daughter, when your grandkid, when, when your girlfriend, when your boyfriend, when, when they bring something up and, and they want to discuss this, man, you, you take advantage of this moment. You don't push the moment away. This is important. And he says, when, when this comes up, tell him, we were slaves. Man, we were helpless and we were hopeless. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand before our eyes. Basically, hey man, we saw God do this. The Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders on Egypt, on Pharaoh, and on all his household. But he brought us from there in order to lead us in and give us the land that he swore to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God. Why? For our prosperity always and for our preservation as it is today. Hey, when, you're, when your kid asks you, Dad, why do we do this? Why do we go here? When did this start? Tell them the story about what God did. Tell him why you do these things. And then he closes up in verse 25. Righteousness will be ours if we are careful to follow every one of these commands before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Moses is saying, man, tell your kids. Tell them that God saved you out of slavery. That God gave you something you didn't deserve. He gave us a land we didn't deserve, we didn't earn. And and this God who did that, he has a good plan for us. And he has a a path for us to find that good plan. Tell when these conversations come up, take advantage of them. Be faithful in the moments when you have these conversations to point to what God has done. Because here's what Moses knew, and this relates with us too. Moses knew that no one he was talking to had the power to change somebody's heart. Moses knew that the the people that he was talking to, none of those people had the power in themselves to fix their family or fix the nation if it started to veer. No one had the power to just say, okay, I'm going to do this and this and this, and then it's going to fix everything. Moses knew that. 
If results were what God measured, the people Moses was talking to, man, they would they'd never win. If, if the people Moses were talking to were, were responsible for the results in their kids' lives and the results in their nation, if the kids were responsible for the decisions their parents made, there's no win. And Moses knew that that, that wasn't the case. And, and for you and me, now we're thousands of years later, it's the same thing. In the same way, you and I, we can't change anyone's heart. As much as you might want to fix somebody, you and I can't. You have a burden for your dad to follow Jesus. You have a burden for your son or daughter who's walked away from the Lord. You have a burden for them to follow Jesus. You're a wife that man desperately wants to see your husband lead your family spiritually. And if, if there was something you could do, if there was, hey, if, if you just do one plus one, it, you'll, it'll change it. You would have done that a long time ago. But, but none of us, man, we don't, we're not responsible for that. And we're not in control of those things. We have no control over the results. And the good thing is that's not what God measures. See, for me... When I find myself measuring something that God doesn't, man, I get pretty frustrated. And many times I actually miss out on what God's really trying to do. When I, when I too, put too much focus, and I have in my life, when I put too much focus on, on, on trying to fix something or do something that God's not even, he's not even measuring that. I get really frustrated and I get to a spot where it's like, man, I don't know what to do. But here's the thing. God measures the same thing he measured thousands of years ago with these people. And here's what God measures. God measures faithfulness. That's what God measures. Moses, he wanted Israel to flourish. He wanted families to experience God's best. And here's what he told them. I want you to be faithful to love God. Just love God. Faith, be faithful in that. I want you to be faithful in your communication with your, the people you love the most. And I want you to be faithful with the moments that come up. I want you to steward those moments well. You can't fix somebody's heart. You can't change this nation. God's not asking you to. Here's what God is asking you to do. He's asking you to be faithful to be faithful in your relationship with him, to be faithful in how you communicate with those you love the most, and to be faithful and steward those moments. Don't let those moments pass that God brings into your life where you have an opportunity to point those you love the most to God and what he's done in your life. Be faithful. That's what God wants from us. So I want, I want to go back. As we, we close, I want to go all the way back to our sports analogy at the beginning. In sports, and, and you know this if you've ever been a part of it, in sports, part of what helps a team succeed is that they all agree on what the goal is and how they're going to reach that goal. So whether it's football, basketball, soccer, badminton, whatever it is, 
for, for a team to succeed, it's really important that they all agree what the goal is. And not only that they agree what the goal is, but they also agree on how to get to the goal, the plan, what we measure. If a team, and you've seen this, maybe you've been on a team like this. If, a, if there's a team and the team has separate goals, if, if there's each, each person on the team has a separate goal, or if, if the different people on a team maybe have the same goal, but they have four different ways to get there, it gets pretty ugly pretty quick. It gets, I mean, it just doesn't go well. And so here's my question. Here's my question for you. Are you okay and are you on the same page with God? Just think about it. The, like the, the, the answer that, you know, oh, I probably should say this in church is, oh, of course. No, no, no. Are you really on the same page? Whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, are you on the same page with God? And, and here's the, the areas. Are you on the same page with God as it relates to God's goal for you and your family looking like Jesus? Like, if that's God's major goal, are you on the same page with God? Are you aiming at the right goal? And just be honest. You, you, I mean, again, just be, because God knows our heart. So, so just really... Answer that question for yourself. Like right now, as I sit here, as I watch online, am I, am I on the same page with God as it relates to what God's goal is? Or do I say, you know what, God, that is a good goal and that's on my list, but that's not the top thing for us. And just be honest. Because based on what your goal is for you and for your family, for the people you love the most, it'll affect what you prioritize. It'll affect how you pray. It has a huge effect. And so at least be honest about what that goal is. And if you and God aren't on the same page, at least just be honest about that. So, so are you on the same page with God as it relates to his goal? But second... And this is maybe where it gets a little tough because we would probably all, yeah, yeah, okay. The whole idea of being like Jesus, I, I can get behind that. I, that's, yeah, that's a good thing. But here's where it sticks us a little bit. Are we on the same page with God as it relates to God does not measure results. He measures faithfulness. Like, are we on the same page with God? Are you on the same page with God as as it relates to this area that, that God says, you know what? I'm not worried about results as much as I am you being faithful. See, some of us, and, and maybe this is a question to ask yourself, are you carrying the burden of results? I'm guessing that there's some people in this room that have worried, that have lost sleep, that have made a, some bad decisions, because they had a burden for someone and they were so worried and focused on the results. And it, it rocked you for a while. Because you, instead of allowing God to carry the burden for results, you began to carry it for your kids, for your parents, for the people you love the most. The results, you, you put them on your shoulders and you lost sleep and you worried and you made bad decisions because you were trying to manage results. And God says, I'm not measuring you on results. I just want you to be faithful. So, so are you carrying that burden 
of results. See, for, for some of us, the best thing that we could do today as we begin this series and begin to think through how we position those we love the most for God's best. The best thing that some of us could do today is just say, God, God, I trust you with the results. God, I... I can get behind this whole, yeah, become more like Jesus. I can see how that's a really good thing to do. And you know, I got that, God. But man, I have been struggling with be, have, being burdened down by results. And my kid's making a bad decision. Or my dad's not doing this. Or, and, and, and I struggle and I worry and I keep myself up at night. And God, it's, it's just too much. And, and maybe for you, the best thing you could do today is just say, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done with being enslaved by the results that I have no control over. And instead, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust that your goal is best, and I'm going to lean into what you measure, and that is faithfulness. You've asked me to be faithful in my relationship with you. You've asked me to be faithful in, in just how I communicate with those I love. And you, you've asked me to just be faithful with the moments you give me. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to set the, the handcuffs of results down and, and the worries that that's brought me. And I'm going to just lean into you and be faithful in what you've given me to do. And I'm going to pray and ask you to bring about results in the hearts of those that I love the most. I remember for me, my parents, man, we had, a, uh, we had some rough years in our family. Had a, a little rough go for a few years with some craziness. But for the most part, man, I had parents that they really were good examples to me of leaning into God. And, and there were people in our lives, some relatives of ours that, man, we desperately wanted to see God work in. And I remember, I think we have a picture of him, but the very first person I can remember praying for is my grandpa Thompson. I remember as a little kid, I was probably, I'm probably two, maybe, I mean, as, as soon as I can remember praying, I remember mom and dad would have us pray for grandpa Thompson because grandpa Thompson didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And we prayed and we prayed and, and when we were with him and we would talk to him and, you know, just love him well and those types of things but man we prayed and, and i'm talking about we prayed for decades for my grandpa we prayed that he would make a decision to follow jesus and we tried to love him we tried to take it you know when opportunities came we shared christ with him and those types of things but obviously it was up to god and I can remember, this is me and him at, at his 90th birthday. He passed away at 94, 95, just a few years ago. But I can remember when my mom told me, hey, Grandpa Thompson accepted Jesus as his Savior. And I remember that being like such a celebration because we had been praying faithfully for him for years. And, and then I remember going to Indianapolis, that's where they were, and we would go take little trips to see grandma and grandpa, and going to church with my grandpa, and he was an usher. And, and 
Like, that's such not a big deal, but it was such a big deal. I remember him being proud to be an usher in his church. I remember him singing the songs in the pew that, that I knew and I had sung as a little kid forever. And it just, it, I just reminded me that God is at work in the results. And we are called to be faithful. And for some, it, it, sometimes it, it means we're going to have to be faithful for decades. And we're going to have to trust God to the point of this. There's some people you're praying for. There's some people that you're being faithful in your communication with. That you're not going to see results on this side of heaven. For some of you, your prayer for your kid will be answered after you're in heaven. But don't stop being faithful. Because God responds to faithfulness. That's what he asks. And if you're a young person, for you, maybe you, you think, man, this whole family thing, and yeah, I get it, I'm single, or I'm dating somebody, or engaged, yeah, it's still a little ways off. No, it's not. You have a dad. You have a mom. You have a brother. You have an uncle. You have people in your life that you love desperately. And man, you want to see them experience God's best. And, and for you to have a part in that, and because God's calling you to have a part in that, He's asking you, hey, be faithful in your relationship with me. And when opportunities come to communicate truth to this person, do it lovingly. Don't miss moments. And trust me with the results. And so over this next few weeks, we're going to continue to talk about this. And I hope that you'll lean in. Because again, none of us wants to get to the end of our life. And people have to lie at our funeral. Because we were the reason the family was a train wreck. We want to be the person that when we're gone, people look and say, you know what? My life's different my future is different. What I plan to do with the rest of my life and how I'm going to live my life is going to be different because of his example, because of her example, because of how they were faithful. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, Lord, just how gracious you are with us. You don't call us to results. If you did, we wouldn't need you. We, you came because we couldn't fix stuff. We couldn't even fix ourselves. And so you came so that we could have a relationship with you. And all you ask is that we would just be faithful to the path that you lay out for us. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Chris, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. You're, you're maybe watching online or you're here with us this morning. And, and as we close this time in prayer... Whether you're single, married, grandparent, let me, let me ask you that question again. Are you in agreement with God on his goal and how he measures progress? Are, are you good with that? Maybe if you're honest, you'd say, Chris, I, I've been putting my life and my effort into a lot of things. And becoming more like Jesus is on the list, but it's pretty far from the top.
Maybe, maybe you're a parent and you'd say, you know what, I've, I've, I've got a list for the kids and yeah, Jesus is part of it, but man, it's, if I'm honest, not, not at the top. And maybe for you this morning, you would just, between you and God, just say, God, I, I repent. I, man, I, I've been wrong. I've been aiming at the wrong thing. I've been pushing the people I love the most towards the wrong goal. And maybe as we begin this series, you would just say, God, I repent. I want to do it your way. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, I, I don't have a relationship with God. Well, for you, the, the, the first step to really position those that you love the most for God's best is, man, starting a relationship with God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here, you're watching online, you'd say, hey, Chris, how would I do that? Seems confusing. Seems maybe like there's a lot to that. There's really not. Are you in this moment, are you willing to, just between you and God, are you willing to admit to God that you've sinned? Are you willing to admit to God that, man, you, you, you've made some wrong decisions that weren't in agreement with his plan? Are you willing to do that? If you are, just in your heart, just tell him, God. I admit that I've sinned. I admit I've disobeyed you. I admit I've gone my own way. Just tell him. And then just tell him, but God, I, I believe. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sin, for my shortcomings. I believe that he went into a grave and he rose from the grave. Just tell God. Just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching or listening to this, just tell him, I believe. And then just ask him, God, come into my life. Transform me from the inside out. Just tell him. If you're here today or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, today I, I made that decision. I made that decision to become a follower of Jesus. I admitted my sin. I believed that Jesus died and rose from the grave. And I, I asked God to come into my life and transform me. I made that decision today. Man, we'd love to know about that. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc. There's a little decision card that you can fill out that we'll get. We'll, we won't bug you, but we'll contact you once and just want to talk to you about your decision. Make sure you understand it. If you're here with us, you can look right in front of you. There's a card that says decision. You can write the decision you made on that card and then on your way out, just drop it in the offering basket or you can take it to the next steps table. Lord, I pray that you would work in our heart today and through this series, Lord, to help us position those we love the most for God's best. In Jesus' name, amen.